Over the next few months, as Bush Disciples gets up and going, we're going to be learning about discipleship. See, Jesus wants us to become not just believers, but disciples. Jesus never said, go into the world and make converts. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. Okay, so we're going to be looking at, at discipleship and learning about that. And today's topic is that disciples of Jesus are called. You don't just wake up one morning and go, oh, what am I going to do today? Oh, I, might, I might become a disciple of Jesus today. That, that's not how it happens. Um, we, we don't decide. Jesus calls. There's, there's, um, when people make the decision, oh, I, I know I'm going to have to get connected with God, that's usually in response to an inner urging of the Holy Spirit. In my experience, when somebody actually begins to reconnect with God or when somebody becomes a disciple of Jesus Christ for the very first time, this has always been in the response to God's activity in their life. Sometimes it might be for a very short time, like sometimes they might just get a really hard-hitting message from an evangelist and it might only be a couple of minutes or, or maybe up to an hour and they just feel, oh, I've got this burning thing inside of me saying, I've got to become a disciple of Jesus. That happens sometimes, but not very often. Usually it's something which can take a long time. It's something which happens over a number of weeks, months, years or even decades that we've had this inner calling of of God, the Holy Spirit urging us inside, you've got to get connected with God. You've got to start following with Jesus. If only we could all be like those two disciples that we just had that brief reading about, um, James and John. Good morning, folk. If only we could be like them, Jesus called them and immediately they left the boat, they left their father and they followed him. Now, some of us might go and get a little bit cynical, especially those of us who have spent a number of years working with our dads and knowing the frustration that that can cause and go, well, they're probably having a bad day with Zebedee just when, <laughs> when Jesus come along and, Je- and Jesus said, follow me, and they, yep, that's a good option, and, and they out of there. Now, don't, don't take that sort of cynical view. Uh, we have no idea what their family relationship was like. The point of it was this. Jesus called and immediately they answered him, straight away. They left everything. Now, most of us aren't like that. Most of us are like a new Kelpie pup that you're trying to train as a working dog. And you know what Kelpies are like. They just want to go straight to the front of the mob and stop them from going whatever direction they're going. And usually they're going the right direction when they decide, I'm going to stop them. Okay? Now, we all know the frustration that that can cause. Um, And most of us can be like that. But when you can get that Kelpie pup to be obedient and to actually come when you call, and it's very important that it's as soon as you call, that's when they come, then they can become really useful and you're on a winner. And some of us are like that. Some of us are like that Kelpie pup and we want to be off doing our own thing. And the Master is calling us and he's been calling us and calling us and calling us. Some of us have that gentle urging of the Holy Spirit inside of us sometimes for years before we finally take that Bible down off the shelf or until we finally seek out somebody who we know is a Christian that that we can talk to them about the things of God until we finally get down on our knees and humble ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, I know you've been calling me. I'm ready to follow. Help me to do that.
Sometimes it takes us years, but God's been calling for all that time. And God uses all sorts of circumstances to try and help us to hear his call and help us to follow that call. On the morning of the 1st of September last year, God gave me two words. He said, bush disciples. He then gave me another 106 words to explain what that meant. Six months later, here we are in Westmark. Now, would you have thought six months ago that, that there would be a group of people meeting here today in Westmar to praise God, uh, to learn from his word and to pray together? Would anybody have guessed that six months ago that that was going to be happening? Well, I didn't. My hope and my dream is that this will be one of the things that God is using to help the people of Westmar and help the people of this district to hear his call and to, to help, help them to follow his call of following Jesus. Because God uses all sorts of circumstances to draw us back to him. And I bet if you opened your eyes and thought, hmm, let me look over my life and see the times and the places where I believe God has been calling me and look at your life afresh and anew, I bet you'll find specific times, events, circumstances, challenges, people that you've met, whatever, where you can look back now and go, you know, in hindsight, hindsight, I can actually see that God was calling me back then. Okay? So, disciples are called. The only decision we have is am I going to obey? The Master is calling, will I follow? Now, that might sound really blunt and simple. And that's because it is. I don't need to explain that to you, do I? Jesus calls. Our choice is am I going to follow? You understand that? Right. I don't need to spend time explaining that. What I'm going to be looking at today is what sort of person is God most likely to call? And I think it's important for us to look at this question because... When I open my eyes and look at the church today, I see a very big discrepancy between the church of today and the church that Jesus began. Jesus kicked off his church with 12 nobodies. And yet, if you take a look at the Christian church of the Western world today, as a generalisation, it is a church that is ageing, it's filled with business people, it's filled with those who are influential, it's predominantly suburban, highly educated, mostly female and thoroughly middle class. Now that's a huge generalisation, but on average that, that is the church of the Western world. And it's very different to the sorts of people that Jesus used to call in his day. Jesus called young men of working class, most probably poorly educated, of little influence and of questionable position in society. Out of his 12 disciples, he called four fishermen, one tax collector and seven others who didn't even write a mention of what they did before he called them. These were men of such little consequence. Before Jesus called them, these men were nobodies. They were no one special. They were nobody important. Tax collectors aren't the most popular people in the world, are they? Who, who, who loves the tax collector? Only if I have to, they say. Um, 
What about the fishermen? What were fishermen like? Well, we probably don't have too many professional fishermen here in Westmar. Um, at the moment, it's, you could probably um, keep yourself fed in the, in the Mooney River over here. Uh, but apart from that, I don't think you'd make a living out of it. In this district, I think the equivalent sort of person from the equivalent social status and so on would be to a fisherman in Jesus' day would probably be, be a roo shooter. Okay, now, I don't have anything against roo shooters and, in fact, I used to earn a living from roo shooting myself at one stage and I might have to do it again um, to support my family through Bush disciples. We love roo shooters but we keep our fuel tanks locked don't we? (laughs) Well, that's what fishermen would have been like. Fishermen were rough men who battled the elements. They didn't always have the greatest of reputations. They worked all night and so they looked sleepy most of the day. But but, but essentially these were men who made an honest living by manual labour and lots of inconvenient hours. Now imagine if the church in this district grew because there was a sudden influx of roo shooters who felt God's call upon their life and knew, hey, Jesus is calling me. I've got to answer that call. And I can see the looks on a few faces. It's, hmm, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Um, Would that surprise you if it happened? Yeah? Well, it shouldn't. The point that I'm making is this. God calls Nobodies. There is no right type of person. God calls nobodies. I'm a nobody and God called me. Um, so we're going to have a look at, at our next reading now. Who's bringing that to us? Sue is. Not many of them were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, and the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God. For I resolved to know nothing for that Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on many things, but on God's Thanks, Sue. God calls nobodies. In fact, um, it's only because God gave me the, the words Bush Disciples that so I'm calling what we're doing now Bush Disciples. I've actually toyed with the idea of calling it the Church for Nobodies. Um, 
There's plenty of churches that are filled with the popular people, churches that are filled with the influential, they're filled with the successful and with the well-respected. Where's the churches for the nobodies? That's what I sometimes find myself wondering. Where do they fit? I'm not a, I'm a nobody. I know I'm not a popular person. I never have been. Um, nobody's going to come and travel a long way to come and hear me speak because I naturally attract people to myself and everybody, of course, wants to be just like me. That's not me. Like Paul speaking with the Corinthians, I've come here today in weakness and fear and with much trembling. Now, I try my best to hide that fear, um, but I'm scared of every one of you. Um, My greatest fear when I was at school was... um, the, the times when we'd have to present a lecturette and I, I would just be absolutely terrified of being up in front of the class and, and saying what I had to say. I don't have any wise and persuasive words but my hope is that you will hear God's word coming through what I say today so that your faith might rest not on men's wisdom but on God's power. My hope and my prayer is that in spite of me, in spite of my fragility and my imperfection and my simplicity, in spite of everything about me, in spite of all of that, that you today will still encounter God. See, God doesn't only call nobodies, God uses nobodies. That's the way that it's always been and that's the way that it's going to continue to be. Around the year 177 AD, so that's over 1800 years ago, there was an anti-Christian philosopher named Celsus and he wrote these words and pretty nasty words. He said, this is the sort of thing that a Christian would say. Let no one educated, no one wise, no one sensible draw near. For these abilities are thought by them to be evils. But as for anyone ignorant, anyone stupid, anyone uneducated, anyone who is a child, let him come boldly. By the fact that they themselves admit that these people are worthy of their God, they show that they want and are able to convince only the foolish, dishonourable and stupid and only slaves, women and children. Can you believe that was written 1800 years ago? That could have just as easily have been said last week by the likes of Richard Dawkins or Lawrence Krauss. These are the sorts of intellectual bigwigs who, who make a living out of going around the world telling people, usually at universities, but getting on the telly whenever they can and saying, basically, Christians are idiots. If you believe that stuff, then you're an idiot. Well, don't be put off by them. And rather than trying to counter their claim by obviously trying to say, well, that's not true, look at all of these brilliant scientists and mathematicians and doctors and academics who are also disciples of Jesus. Don't do that. Don't try and counter their claim by then pointing to the popular and successful people like the, you know, the, the superstars and the musicians and the footy players and the Olympians and saying, well, these people are all disciples of Christ. Don't do that. You see, God doesn't want us to be saying, look at all these great people who are Christians. God calls nobodies for a reason. Verse 27 says that God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. 
God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Why? So that no one may boast before him. Humanly speaking, if I wanted to build an organisation from scratch that would change the world, I'd do it like this. I'd gathered around me a people of much influence, people of immense wealth, people of extraordinary intellect, the high achievers of the world, the professional sportsmen and women, executives of multinational corporations, actors and performers, people of renown. I would gather together all of these people who are the most popular people in their communities and I'd get all of these people to use every resource at their disposal to try and attract people to my organisation that was going to try and change the world. And if I did that, who would get the credit? Every one of these extraordinary people, of course, would get the credit for every bit of work that they did which is why God did exactly the opposite. God didn't start his church with entrepreneurs or with high achievers or or performers. God started his church with nobodies. And because we are nobodies, when God does a mighty work, when God begins to build his church, not one of us can boast about it. If in a couple of months' time we have trouble fitting everybody in here in Westmar, not one of us can boast about that because we're nobodies. If something amazing like that happens, who gets the credit? You do. No. Oh, God. Sorry, I thought you were putting up your hand. I do. (laughs) Sorry, Doug. (laughs) Of course, God gets the credit. When God achieves his purposes through nobodies, that's the sort of thing that silences his critics. Richard Dawkins might be able to use his understanding of science and try to explain away the existence of God, but when God uses nobodies to change the world, that can't be explained away. When through the ministry of a nobody, an individual soul finds life, purpose and meaning, you can't explain that away. Because this is a demonstration of the power of God. It's not the demonstration of of the talents of a man. Now, I hope that you're not getting offended that I might be inferring that you're a nobody. Um, I'll let you work that out for yourself. But if I'm full of myself, If I'm confident in my own position, if I'm confident in my own abilities, in my own work or or in my own righteousness, then I've got the wrong sort of self-image to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's an interesting tradition about the royal family in Vienna. The Habsburgs were fabulously wealthy and they built for themselves glorious castles But when one of them would die, the funeral procession would go from the castle to the basement of a small church in the village. And the priest inside that church would hear a knock on the door. Who is it? His Imperial Majesty, the Emperor of Austria. Don't know him. There'd be a moment of silence and then another knock at the door. 
Who is it? His Imperial Majesty, the Emperor of Austria. Don't know him. There'd be another pause and then a third knock at the door. Who is it? A poor sinner. And the priest would open the door. God opens the doors of heaven to all who realise that there are nobody and realise that they need the grace and the mercy of God and that without God they're lost. Don't ever get it into your head that you're not the right type of person to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Don't ever say, I'm a nobody, therefore God doesn't want me. You can't say, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not from the right strata of society. In fact, I don't even know what strata means. You can't say, I'm too poor, I'm too ugly, I'm too bad, I'm too depressed, I'm too despised, I'm too sad. You can't say, I'm too broken, I'm too rough, I'm too lowly, I'm too cranky, I'm too old or I'm too young. Get it out of your mind that you are not the right type of person to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. When you realise that you're a nobody, that's precisely when you are exactly the right sort of person to begin the journey of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Some of the biggest churches in Australia today are led by very popular people and they surround themselves with people who want to be just like them. Many little churches right across Australia today are also led by those who are most popular and they attract people as popular people tend to do. They'll often teach their people a message of self-worth, self-dignity, self-identity, self-actualisation, self-sufficiency. Essentially, it's all about self. I'm not going to do that. I can't teach you that because I'm so fed up with self that I know that I've got to be rid of self and I need Jesus. And it's because of him, God, verse 30 says this, it is because of him, God, that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness and our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. You see, when you're a nobody, you've got absolutely nothing to boast about. As a nobody, nothing at all. But as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you've got a lot to boast about. When you were once a sinner but Christ has now made you righteous, boast about Jesus Christ and tell all of the other nobodies about his righteousness that can become theirs. When you were once rotten to the core but now Christ has actually made you holy, boast in Jesus Christ. And then tell all of the other nobodies how Jesus can make them holy. When you were once far from God and sold as a slave to sin, boast in Jesus Christ. 
Boast in his redemption. That is an amazing thing to boast about, that God loves you so much that he actually bought you back. It was like you were kidnapped and held ransom by sin. And God paid that ransom. Boast about that and tell all of the other nobodies that they too can be set free by the blood of Jesus. Disciples of Jesus are called. You've been called. I've been called. And every one of us, well, we weren't pure and holy before we were called. We were bad. But by his grace and his mercy and through his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection, he becomes our righteousness. He becomes our holiness. He becomes our redemption. You can't boast about yourself. Even now, you can't boast about yourself. But you can boast about Christ and be proud of what he's done. Do you boast about Jesus? Jesus calls nobodies to follow him. Will you follow him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you came into this world to save sinners just like, just like us. Lord, we thank you that you love nobodies. Lord, help us to come to you with absolutely no pride in our heart. Help us to come to you as nobodies, realising that we, we need you. We totally need you, Lord. And Lord, help us to realise that the absolute blessing that it is to be the children of God, to be disciples who are following Jesus. Lord, help us to know the blessing that it is to be made holy by the blood of Jesus. And Lord, help us to boast in these things. Lord, I just pray that you would open our eyes to our neighbours, open our eyes to everyone in the community Lord, forgive us for the times when we thought, oh, so-and-so, they're far from God. They, 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 God wouldn't be calling them. Lord, help us to see people as you see people. Knowing that you call each and every one of us to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen.